0: happy Sabbath, everyone wow what a music that's good stuff good stuff you know you are blessed every time you have someone you know life without music one say it's a mistake it's a mistake we praise god for the gift of music every time give room to music don't be scared of music don't be afraid of music Embrace music. Enjoy it. Praise God through it. The more you spend time to criticize music, you waste your time. Good opportunity to worship Him. Amen. So I praise God to be here and to witness how wonderful your your house of prayer is. Thank you so much for the prayer. Thank you. It's important for God to put his word in my mouth that I may be faithful to share it. I'm Roger, Wazwa. From Central Africa Republic. So you see the accent. It's kind of funny, but yeah, that's where I am. (laughs) And uh, so it's a mixture of French and so many languages. Um, We live in France, Paris and Lyon. That's where I am. I've married my wife, Megan. They're not here with me. They're still in Mansfield with my three kids two boys and one daughter Liam, Levi, and Addison. That's who I am. All right, so I'm not a stranger. I'm your brother. And I pray that you may feel free also to be in my presence as I'm so free to be in your presence. Amen? Amen. Before we pray, I want to say this. The story I'm going to use today is common. You know it already. And sometimes when we know something so well, we are tempted not to look at it. You may dismiss me already in your heart because of the choice of the text I'm going to read to you. You may dismiss me because you don't know me. You may dismiss me because you are just fed up with all the sermons you, you, you listen to every single day. Mm-hmm. You may dismiss me because you have an issue with God and God is not helping you in your life right now. You don't care about anybody who stands for God. Mm-hmm. But please, for Christ's sake, Amen. give yourself a chance Amen. that may God speak to you, that may hear from him. My dad, a soldier, uh, when we were living, when our country was uh, at war, and bombs were falling everywhere, and I asked my dad, Dad, so where can you run to find a refuge? And my dad told me, where they have just bombed, that's where you go. I said, what in the world is that? I said, why is that? And he said, they don't bomb the same place twice. They save on what? Ammunition. So when it's destroyed, when it's burning, it's chaos, smelling, burning stuff, that's why you go and hide. You will be safe. You know, where in the Bible that you know so much that people have walked over, over and over and over, and there's nothing to give, that's where you find a refuge. The story that you, story that you know so well that the ones who are going to lift you up. When you're in trouble, there are no great songs that you remember. There are no gay song, kind of magnificent song. That little song, like, Jesus loves me. That's what comes to mind. When you are in pain, just little things, common things, that are the ones that matter the most. So, Father, at this time, is your time. As I stand before your people, keep me in the dust of simplicity and humility that Christ alone may be lifted up, that his people may see him, the one who died for him. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go with me in... Uh, First Kings. First Kings chapter 19. First Kings 19 from verse one. The Bible says this. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went for, uh, to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. Verse 4 says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better Than my father's. Then, as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey. Is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out. Then God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, that he rubbed his face. In his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? May God bless his word. Amen. The title of my sermon this afternoon is The Voice of Silence. The Voice of Silence. Elijah was on the run. He wasn't running because he was a failure. He was running because he was an outstanding success. Elijah was great. He is the greatest of all prophets. He's the epitome of all prophets. Each prophet wanted to be like Elijah. A man who could ask God to shut down the heavens because Israel, they were not faithful, and God obeyed his voice. Elijah who would you want to be like Elijah? Anyone who would come out and be so great in preaching and doing great stuff, he'll he be compared to Elijah quickly, like, like John the Baptist. Are you Elijah? <laughs> they ask him. Because he, he is great. So each greatness will remind you of the greatness of Elijah. Mm-hmm. Christ himself was, was as if he was Elijah. Mm-hmm. Elijah, any prophet. Any minister of the gospel wants to be like Elijah. Elijah will even dare the people of Baal, the prophet, say, you know what? If your God is God, let's do this. Let's go on Mount camel, sacrifice, put no, slaughter an animal, and call Baal to come down and burn it with fire, and we'll see. And I'll do the same, and we'll see. By the way, God didn't tell him to do it. God did not tell Elijah to do it. And because he's so great, anything he asked of God, he received. And something also bothered me is that I don't know why the prophets of Baal accepted the the challenge. (laughs) Now listen, you've never done that in your life. You've never done it. Because you just want to show that you are right you accept some challenges that are superior to your caliber. And that's what, you know, that, that's what life is all about. All our pain, our frustration, our embarrassment are simply due sometimes by where we don't belong. It's not our challenge, it's not our, it's not our level. If you stay in your corner, you hold your name. You'll be safe. you enjoy life. But if you want to be somewhere out there, you'll be frustrated and stressed. Someone saying, if you want to be happy, lower your expectations. If you want to be great, all right, raise them up. But you run, you run the chance, the risk of being unhappy. So they accepted the challenge. I said, oh, you know what, let's do it. Come on, let's do it, <laughs> let's do it. We can do it, right? Have you done it before? No, but you can do it. <laughs> And they went ahead, and they slaughtered the animal, and they called. And they called on on Baal, come and burn it, come. No fire, nothing. They were screaming. They were even crying. Can you believe? They were crying to have something that they've never experienced before. How will you cry for something you yourself have never seen before? you've never done before, and you are acting as if you're used to it. As if you're used to it. They cut themselves. If you call on bell, it didn't show up. Why do you cut yourself? Why keep on doing something over and over that you know so well it doesn't work? That's mental illness. You know, we as Christians, as Adventists, it's easier for us to compare ourselves to Elijah because it's true, the Bible says that there are three Elijahs. One came, that was the first Elijah, this one. The second one was John the Baptist. He had the spirit of Elijah. And the third one would be the church. We move, Adventism will move in the spirit of Elijah, right? So it's easy for us to compare ourselves and to identify with Elijah. But when you look at the prophets of Baal, we we look more like them. We are more like these people. We make a lot of noise. We talk a lot. Great things. You know, if I were just to hear Adventists talking during Sabbath school, I would think that these people are powerfully spiritual. Like, there are people who actually, when they talk to God, God listens. They can turn water into wine. Great things. I mean, they say a lot of things. They know the secrets of God. They even, they challenge, they can even, they, they, they push themselves to know even the time of the end. They can tell you how politics will run, show sure run how the end of time will look like. They tell you the state of the dead. They say the dead, they know nothing. (laughs) You know, people are questioning what will happen after death. Adventists know. (laughs) We know that nothing happened. We know a lot of things. We know so much. But yet, our marriages do not reflect (laughs) our truth. Our temperament doesn't reflect our truth. And the conflict that we have among ourselves is like, man, how can you know great truth like that and have such a poor life? You've listened great sermons. God even raised a prophet. Every area of your life, God has provided a ministry. So that you don't need anything. Come on. And yet, your life my life do not reflect the great truth we preach. And we meet every Sabbath as if we come and meet God here. By the way, you know, you will be more surprised to see God one day at church. Like if, (laughs) you know, when you come this morning, you didn't expect to see God today. You didn't expect him. If you saw you'd say, oh, wow, Jesus, you're here. Hey, hi, welcome. You kind of, like, because you don't expect him. He was surprised to be here, but because you don't expect... You expect to sing. You expect a sermon. You expect offertory. You expect everything. But God, you're not. You don't plan to meet him. You don't say, no, I'm dressing up. I'm, I say, why are you going... No one say, I'm going to see God. I'm going to church, to the fellowship. I'm going to see people like me. People who haven't seen God at all. They have heard him. <laughs> and yet they talk about him every week. Just like the prophet of Baal, this mental illness. You see people in their closet, and they pray to God. They pray, and they are so into it. We sing, and we are so into it. We preach with fire. (laughs) And yet, if you ask the person, has God replied to you, as he talked to you? You pray to God for 30 minutes for an hour, and you stand up, and you go home, without any feedback, and you keep on doing it, this mental illness, because if you talk to someone, the person has to talk back to you. If he doesn't do it, so why do you keep on doing it? Why do you enter that closet knowing for sure that he has never spoken to you? So why are you accepting this sacrifice, this challenge, knowing that you've never done it before? We know how to deceive ourselves. And we deceive ourselves with some things which actually are very simple. God saying, "If you speak to me, I will also going to speak to you. When you speak to God, this will have a time when you wait to get the feedback. But we don't have wait. You know why we don't have wait? Because waiting, waiting <laughs> reveal to you your true heart. If you believe or not, you don't want to wait. You just better when I get up because if you wait for one more minute, you'll doubt even the prayer that you just voiced. Wait, whereas the Bible is full of waiting. God says, "Wait on me, wait on me, wait upon the Lord. Wait, 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 wait." We don't wait. <laughs> we move. We do things. We just speak to Him and we go. You know, it's very interesting. God is the only God, the only King. You, you, you ask for an audience, he grants you an audience, you talk to him, and you dismiss yourself. I've never seen any king that people talk to him and they dismiss themselves. He's the king that should dismiss you. <laughs> you don't dismiss yourself. If you know that the person you're talking to is God, is king of kings, you better wait. Better wait. And he will dismiss you. You have to learn and train yourself, teach yourself, for Christ's sake, to wait upon the Lord. Wait. You ask him, grace, start, just chill. <laughs> Let him speak. Does he have anything to say about your prayer? Or oh, your prayer is the final word. We are more like the prophets of Baal. We look more like them. We sing great song. Holy, holy, holy. How could you sing such songs and walk out of this place the same? And it's, there's something wrong with us, to be honest. Like there's something wrong. What we are doing to God is what people do with idols. You know, idols don't talk back. By the way, you know that. They don't talk back, right? (laughs) People come, and they say what they want to say to the idol. He has no word. And they go. And we treat God the same. He has no word. He doesn't see you tell him what you want, and you go. I call it idolatry of God. And like you turn God into, into an idol. But these people accepted the challenge, and they, nothing came down. But Elijah, <laughs> Elijah shut down the heavens for three and a half years, and this is the time. This is the time. By the way, when you look at this ministry, Mount Carmel was the climax of his ministry, was his baby, his firstborn. <laughs> he loved that moment. He was, building, he was building his career towards Mount Carmel. Every avenue, all avenues led to Mount Carmel. After Mount Carmel, nobody should say anything to him or to God. That's it. And so he put down the animal, put fire, water, everything, they dug around it, and he called on God. And imagine, the fire came down. Come on, man.
1: <laughs>
0: fire came down from heaven, burning the sacrifice. Burning, not only sacrifice, but the woods. Not only the woods, the stones, like a big hole. I said there was an atomic bomb. He said, whoa. He took all over 400 prophets of Baal. He slaughtered them. Follow this. He, they slaughtered all of them, killed them. And Elijah now went and prayed to God. He prayed and the rain came down. Everybody was singing, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. The echo was going everywhere, everywhere. When that chorus reached the ears of Jezebel, he said, no, it bounced back. If tomorrow, by this time, you're not dead, change my name. You know, <laughs> back home in Africa, when a parent tells you, if I don't do this to you, change my name, then you know you're in trouble. Because I know my mom will not change her name. My dad will not change, her name, change his name. So I will get it. And I me. Mean, <laughs> so when that woman say, buy the gods, let the gods do it to me, just didn't know that there's no turning back. So Elijah just knew he's out. But now the thing is that, brother and sisters, Elijah is running. He's running from what? <laughs> Why is he running? Why is he running? Elijah, you shut down the heavens. You brought fire from heaven. Who who who, who, can, who can touch you? I mean, if I see you bring fire from heaven, I, I won't touch you. I mean, like this is it? This guy can bring fire, and he let that sink in. He lifts his hand in the air. Fire came down. No matter what, I, I will just keep quiet. You, I say you've won. I'm done. But yet, it wasn't enough. And this did not change the heart of Jezebel. Before I continue, I want to say something it's, I think is important here. You know, many of us, including me, and we're going to see it even at the end of the story. For us, miracles are meant to change people's heart. Let me, let me say it again. Miracles, we think are performed to change our hearts. Whereas in the Bible, it's not so. And I don't know how, where we got that from. When I read the Bible, miracles are not there to change people's hearts. Now you say, but I'm saying, Roger, wait a minute, he cried this on miracles and people change their heart No, actually, no. Nope. Every time, whenever they believed in Christ, before, because of miracle, he rebuked them. Every single time. He doesn't want it. Why? Because the change of heart is also itself a miracle. A miracle is not performed so that another miracle will happen. Does not make sense? Each miracle stands on its own. Jonah, for example, do you know why the people they never change their heart? Now, all my life, maybe you're different, all my life, when I was growing up, I thought, because of, you know, Jonah was sold by a whale. I hope it's a well, I don't know, the big fish, right? And three days it came out and went back, and then these people changed their heart. Then I said, What a minute. They never knew that this guy was in the belly of a fish. They didn't know whatever happened to Jonah. <laughs> the sea experience, uh, the whale, the fish, all those things. They knew nothing. Only the word. What was designed, was given to us to change our heart is God's word. If you don't believe in God's word... That is it. No miracle that you can perform can change your heart. Amen. All the miracles that Christ did perform was to help Judas. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. His heart was not changed. So that's why you see everybody was saying the Lord is God, but Jezebel said no. And that Elijah was, he couldn't believe it. Who could say no? could say, no, this is the masterpiece. Fire from heaven, there's nothing like that. And he fell into depression. He built his career around it. That is baby. That is masterpiece. That's what he wanted. And yet, it wasn't enough. All his effort was not enough. So he crashed. He went down. You know, one thing with, with, <laughs> with God is this. Uh, Elijah put everything in his life, in his career. Ministry, everything. Ministry, God, God, Israel, forgiveness, repentance, everything. But one thing he didn't do. He forgot to take care of himself. You know, these people, we praise in the Bible. They're people who did not respect temperance at all. And we call them our heroes. Now, I'm not against Elijah. I'm a pastor myself. I would like to be like Elijah. But I'd rather be a more balanced pastor (laughs) than such a powerful person. Why? Simple. You know, when you... When you don't take care of yourself and the thing that you put yourself into so much goes down, you also go down with it. You go down with it. Self-care is important. Take time to take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, my brothers and my sisters. Go get some massage. Do some pedicure, manicure, relax. Go play some sports. Do something with yourself. Go enjoy some good meal. Travel. Enjoy life, nature. Go ride the bike. Wake up in the morning. Run. Walk. Take care of yourself. Because when you take care of yourself, you take care of people who are dear to you. Don't be a burden to your family. You have to be healthy. Take care of your health. And don't put yourself so much into things, one thing. Because when that thing is not there, you crush. You crush. When your life goes around one thing, that's sad. You know, you're saying, Pastor, but this God's work. No, God's work is not above your health. Let me state it again. God's work is not above your health. God's work is not even above your family. Now you say, well, a minute. Yeah, it's not. There's a difference between God and God's work. God is above your health. God is above your family. But his work, no. His work is different from God. You cannot use God's work as, as an excuse to abuse yourself. No. God will not allow that. And by the way, this church, don't do as if it's your baby. You know, you know ministry, you found it. People preached gospel for, for 6,000 years. They all died. Ellen White also preached. She died. They're all gone. Take the ease on yourself. Do it as much as you can. Be healthy. No, I'm not against the the Bible. I'm not. I love it. But you have to take care of yourself. Because if I see your life miserable, I don't want to have anything to do with your God. No, I don't want it. I really don't want it. I say, man, if that's your God, man, your God is so weak like that, come on. No. You have to portray that your God is a God who cares. We're going to say it. And so when, you know, this guy asks for death, you know, it's funny that he asks for death. That's, that's depression, actually. He went through mental depression. He, he said, I'm, I'm done, Lord. I'm done. I'm done. Just kill me. I said, you are confused. If you want death, why don't you just stay there and this guy would have done it for you? You are running away from death to ask for ask death again. You see, that's what mental illness do to you. You know what I mean? Like that's mental illness. You don't. You're confused. And this is Elijah. Elijah is not a confused person. He said, "You remember, you know, when you read, you know, uh, the the chapters right uh, before it, he said this in First Kings eighteen, you know, uh, verse twenty. He So he sent for all the children to Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel, and Elijah came to all the people and said.'" How long, that's verse 21, 1 Kings 18, 21. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. You see, Elijah is someone who was logical. If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, he was logical. You see, now all that he was saying to them is happening to him now. He wanted, he's running away for his life and he's asking for death. That's when you know, he was depressed. He was depressed. He put so much into it, when it's no longer there, he crashed. Don't put too much also in your marriage. Don't put all your soul into your marriage. Now, am I pretty divorced? Nope. Love your wife, love your husband, all your heart, that's good. But <clears throat> take care of yourself. If you are healthy, you'll be a good husband. If you are healthy, you'll be a good wife. You'll be a good parent. But if you invest Everything into your marriage. By the way, every marriage will end up with tears. Either through death or divorce. You can pick which one you want. At the end, you cry one way or another. You know, some of us, when that happened, we don't say, oh, he's gone. My life has crashed. He was my life. He was my life. He cannot be your life. He cannot, because he met you somewhere at the point, somewhere on, on the way in your life. The beginning of your life, he was not there. That's the fact. That's why I'm saying he's not your life. That, I, I think that's logical, right? Like 20 years of your life, he was not there. You you live, you breathe, you are happy, you jump, you are happy, you enjoy life. He can come and then say, Oh, now I'm alive. No, you, you, you have been alive. He is here now to make your life way better and to, to enjoy. When he's gone, he's gone. There's another portion of life that continues. You know, I'm saying all the stuff. I'm going back to our, our elderly, you know, in, in our family. You see, so when you reach an age where you say, You know what, I'm now 78, I'm 80, I'm 85, life has gone. Life has not gone. You are still breathing, it means that there's still life. And every time there's life, there's enjoyment, there's a purpose. And there's a ministry. You know, that's why as Adventists, one thing I don't, I'm not proud of, we invest so much in our children. Good, we should do it. We should put more money into our children, always. The ministry should be the most expensive one. We invest in our young, adult, young and young adults and youth, all those stuff. We, our women, you hear a women ministry and everything. But we do not invest in our elderly people. There's no ministry for them. When you call a preacher like myself, I show up here, I will preach, and I want talk about the young people and 14, 15, 60-ish, and that's it. But what about people who are in their 80s? Whatever you are saying, that's not, it's, not, it's irrelevant to them. The point every time they come to church to hear a sermon that does not belong to them. But they are the ones who are faithful to be at church. And yet you don't invest at all in that ministry. There's no retreat for them. Have a guest speaker for them. A seminar for them. Because there's so much life there. They have a lot to share. They have a lot to give. And we have to encourage them. But I will say, you know, David said that when even my hair is grayed, I have to be faithful to communicate your great things to the generations to come. Say that. They have a ministry. They have a ministry. And God sent an angel to wake him up. And you wake up and say, Eat. And you know, food is therapy. I mean, (laughs) all that's happening here is actually God is being a psychiatrist. He showed up not with a sermon, with nothing. Here's water. Here's food. Water is therapy. Food is therapy. Sleep is therapy. Sometimes we are asked, we are calling for a pastor or a spiritual leader to come to meet in our problems where we should call a doctor instead. Not all your troubles are spiritual. Sometimes you are thinking, oh no, I'm overwhelmed. I need any prayer. You don't need prayer. You just need to go out a little bit. <laughs> Brave. Change the color of your house. Put more flowers. Change your clothes. Eat better. You know, those are little things that you don't know. It impacts your life. If you are living in a city where there are no treatment, move away from that. Go where you can hear birds. I mean, and smell the soil, the ground. Not the concrete, the ground, dust. You need to change your mind. You may think that it's all about the Holy Spirit. No, you have the Holy Spirit. You're just depressed. <laughs> and the food you're eating is not good. You say, I have too much sugar. And when sugar goes up and comes down, you, are, you crash. You say, no, God, I'm dying. No, no, not dying. Change your diet. That's it. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. It's nothing has to do with God. And, and, and Christ knew it. He just said, go take this guy to sleep. And he slept. Give him food to eat. He ate. Wanted to drink, he drank. And that is it. It's up. And guess what? And he walked for 40 days and 49. Can you believe this? With no prayer. He asked for life to death. And then he, he could walk for 40 days and 49. Just with food, water. God is teaching us life is bigger. That's why we are spiritual. We have, a, we have spirit. We have souls. We have body. If I was saying First Thessalonians five twenty three. Let all your life, your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved, blameless. Against. Yeah. You take care of your spirit, yes. You take care of your soul, and so soul I mean your intellect, your passion, your emotions, everything, the you, your identity. You need to take care of them, invest in them. God did not put the spirit above the body. No, take care of your body. If you don't respect the laws of body, you're going to have an issue in your spiritual life. If your emotional life is not balanced, you can't be a spiritual person. You have to balance, be balanced. And so this guy ran, and he reached there, the cave, that's where everything happened, that's where I wanna leave you. He got there, he went in, you know, Horeb is Sinai, it's the same mountain, They call it Sinai or Horeb, you can pick one, <laughs> which one you want. He entered a cave, it's a big cave, because he could enter, I mean, it's a big cave, right? I uh, came with an entrance, it means that it's big enough for you to stand. I would say, come and stand. It means that he didn't go something small. It's big, huge. And now it's dark. It's night. I, you with me? Now, this guy is going to darkness. And then it's, it's night, he went to sleep. And God says to, he says to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I, mean, I would freak out. You see know I'm saying? <laughs> if I hear any voice, I would freak out. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah started just talking. Oh man, I don't know where to start. They want to kill me. I'm the I'm the only one, by the way. They put down your altars. The women don't listen to you. The guys I don't know what happened to the children. Oh Lord, you can't imagine. The king put a big idol in the temple. No one fears. You. I'm the only one. You're all Israel, I'm the only one. You know. When you're depressed, you don't have a reality. <laughs> you don't see life well. <laughs> you, know, you know, when you're scared, you're depressed, you don't see, you know, you don't see. You know, my wife, my wife whenever she's scared, she sees, she sees a bug in the house. She'll run. Come, I see a big bug, it's huge. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I say, honey, a bug that big, why are you scared? That, that should make us rich because we, we all, <laughs> it, it won't exist. A bag like this, we'll be rich, we give it to another center, we sell it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you have a bag so big, I say, wow, we are rich. It's not, don't be scared, we are rich. And, and, and then when I go to see something small like that, you know, it's, I mean, because when we are scared, we panic, we see life differently, just magnify everything, just magnify. Big, huge. Now, it's a small thing. And then it puts fear in you. And then you see everything bad. and say I'm the only one. When you're depressed, you feel alone. You go to solitude. Others don't exist anymore. It's so the only one. You become the center of your life. I, I am the only one. And you going to hear that I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. And then, he forgot everything that God did. I mean, <laughs> in what he said, there's nothing God did. He forgot the food, the water, the walking for 40 days and 40 nights. Fire fell down from heaven, burning. The rain came back. He fed a, a widow, Sarepta. A dead person came back to life. I mean, I can go on and on. He never mentioned God. That's what depression will do to you. When you don't take care of yourself, you don't see well. That's why I keep insisting take care of yourself. One day I went through something very traumatic, very bad, and it was very, it would have been my end. I enter in my room, I say one thing. I didn't even ask for, for God to change the thing. I say, God, say this to God. Please, Father. Do not let me lose my mind. That's it. I didn't want to lose my mind. I didn't ask for him to change, to stop what? Nothing. Don't let me lose my mind. Don't let me lose my head. Because I I will need it (laughs) to think, right? I will need it. And so he didn't see all the stuff. God telling God telling me, stand, go stand, get up and go stand at the entrance. He didn't do it actually. If you read the story, he didn't do it. He, he just stayed there. And then the famous <laughs> wind came it was breaking all the rocks. And then God was not there. The wind came, earthquake. Can you imagine earthquake? We are in the cave. It is an earthquake. This guy didn't come, he, he didn't go out. God is not in the earthquake. Fire, and God is not in the fire. Okay, well, let's, let, let's pause a little bit. Why does the Bible have to tell us that the Lord was not in the wind? You see, if the Bible says, and there was a wind, there's earthquake, there's fire, we could say, okay, we continue <laughs> with the story. But the Bible now says, God is not so. Oh, were we expecting to to see God? So the maybe the the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. There's something that Elijah should have been familiar with. Oh yeah, that's Exodus 19. When there was wind, earthquake, and all the stuff, and then the people of Israel will hear the voice of God. It was loud. You have to see God intervening, speak, He will speak at the end, He will show himself. Those things they were supposed to announce God's presence. And then now this part is a, is a, is a bit mental, okay? It's a mind-bending. <laughs> what was supposed to announce His presence announces His absence. Elijah is used to see God in action, a God of noise, who speaks, who does things, the Lord of hosts, the one who leads an army, action. You can't have an army without action. Army means action, right? And then God say, Elijah, that's how you, you knew me. You knew me that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm outgoing, I'm loud, I do things every time but there's another side of me that you don't know. And he's introducing Elijah to the other side of God. Maybe God is more of that side than the other one. (laughs) And God did not reveal to him something, but nothing. God was not there. And God's absence, follow me, God's absence becomes the revelation. You see, when he heard the earthquake, the wind, and the fire, he didn't, he didn't cover himself. But I would say, and when he after all that, he heard what? A still small voice. The Hebrew thing is actually say, the voice of silence. After that, they were just, and then when well, see, when Elijah heard it, how can you hear silence? He heard nothing. Nothing is what made him to cover his face because he could see God now in nothing. Nothing has revealed God and everything did not reveal him. Are you with me? Nothing, God is more into nothing than he was in everything. He was absent in the wind. Absent in the earthquake, absent in the fire, but present in the silence. And that word caught his heart, his mind. When God seems to be he's not there, you know, and that is important. Because when you're in your marriage, you are crying, things are not happening well. You say, where is God? When you feel that he's absent, that's where you know he's present. Because absence of God is even so powerful it's so powerful. Every time when you ask God, you say he's not there. That is the very proof that God has put in your mouth that he is there. The absence of God is the revelation. He revealed himself with his absence. And that's not new. There's someone who came before him and that was Moses. Moses asked to see God. God said, man, Yo, don't ask too much. you will be dead if I show myself to you. You say, you know what? But I have an idea. I put you in the cave, in the cleft of a rock, and I put my hand, I cover, I pass, and then I f- remove my hand, and you see what? My back. But my face, you cannot see. It. But wait a minute. God is light. How in the world is God's back worse than his face? If I cannot see your face, and therefore your back also will kill me. Because you are God everywhere, or your body is God. Why is that his back is better for us to see than his face? Or maybe just the language of the Bible. You know, let me suggest this. Moses didn't see God at all, back or not. He didn't see anything. Let me tell you what. What he was trying to tell Moses here is this. I am here, if you see me where I am here, you'll be dead. So what going I do with this? I will come here, and then I will leave this place. I will allow you now to see the place where I was. My absence. It's like someone who will come, you know his cologne, his perfume, her perfume. She will come in the room. When she's done, she leaves the room. You come, you speak, mm, she was here. Yes. That's what's happening to Moses. That's what happened to Elijah. It's not by, by chance. These two people, they're the ones who are going to come for Jesus Christ, just Christ also will go through something like depression, but not really depressed. He was so down. And he was scared. God said, Elijah and Moses. We Adventists would believe that Moses we represent those who will go to, hev- go to heaven when they die, come back to life, go to heaven. That's true. Elijah, since he didn't die, he went straight to heaven. We, it's, you know, he is a symbol of people who will go to heaven without passing through what? Death. So the question is, why did he choose Enoch? He didn't. Enoch went there better, and Enoch is a better person than if I compare the Bible. Enoch is better than Elijah, perfect man. He was the first one who went to heaven without going to death. So why didn't God show Moses and Enoch? Because Enoch didn't have that experience. Elijah and Moses did. And they came and explained that to Jesus Christ as well. Because Christ also was going through the same thing. He reached the climax of his ministry, didn't accept him. He was also kind of low. And these two people came to encourage him and to remind him of his death that will save people. But I want to stop here and ask you something, something God says. God told him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He didn't say, What are you doing there? Here in the dark. That's where God is. God is in the dark. God is not only a God of light, He's a God of light, of darkness. He leans and moves in darkness. In the beginning, before He spoke light, there was darkness and He was moving in it. Darkness. When you go into, you read uh, Psalm 18, God covered himself with dark, with darkness. We are used to think that what is light is beautiful, is great, is life. Darkness. God lives in it. He moves in it. When you do not see, brothers and sisters, when you do not see, God is in it. I know that your life, you may say that life is not as you planned it. You may not understand why you suffer in your body. Why this cancer is taking your mother, your daughter, your father. Why is this man in your life so stubborn? Why is the work or whatever you are saying, your life is a mess. It's chaotic. Remember that God moves in chaos. He moves in darkness. Don't allow your traumatic experience to tell you that God is absent. He's always there. Even though we don't hear his voice, remember, learn how to listen to the voice of silence. Because he is there. Amen.
1: Please stand for our closing song. Number 524, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus."
0: We are done here and we go home. Some of us will go back into their realities. Pain is is waiting for them. Frustration. Fear of losing someone, losing a job. Lord, my words cannot encapsulate their realities. We may go through a lot of things that many people may not see, but you you do. You see us, Father. And you are so gentle with us. You are a Father who who's responsible and you're not going to let, leave us alone. You always have a plan. And sometimes we think that we are the only one, but you say that you, you save thousands of servants who did not bow down before Baal. There are more blessings in stores that we believe or we think, my brothers and sisters, have hope in God. Trust in him. Even though things are dark, trust in your father. He sees in dark. He moves in dark. Don't give up. I know marriage can be tough. It seems like it's useless. It's just destroying your life. It's not building you up. Believe in the God who created marriage. Trust in him. Submit your pain the struggle to him. And leave it there. And let the fire that comes from God burn that sacrifice that you offer to him. May he show himself when you need him the most. Oh, Father, step in, in, the, in our realities. Be big for us. Be magnified. Solve our life issues. Give us courage that we give walking and waiting for you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.